0: Hi, everybody. We have a really special guest today, a perfect guest for the times we're in, Sherry Dillard, author of the book I'm Still With You. We're going to be talking about the subject of the grace and the beauty in passing over to the other side uh, from both ends of the story. So first of all, Sherry's been doing this for over 30 years and she's done over 50,000 mediumship readings. And this, this is a lot of experience and is very practical and calm in the way she explains to us the variety of the experiences we happen uh, that happen to us when we arrive on the other side.
1: So let's go to Sherry. Hi, thank you for having me. You know-
0: I wanted to talk to you because, you know, I have friends call me. One of my friends lost in a year six men in her life, and half of them were young men in their 30s, overdoses, car accidents. Other people that I hear from in our community are losing family members and friends and children. Again, ODs, um, suicides, COVID. I don't think any of us has ever seen a time like this when so many people are leaving the earth and in the most unexpected ways and so this is this is right up your alley, so I would love for you to comment on in the large picture what you're seeing right now and what it's looking like on the other
1: side. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, you're absolutely right. I have found that I would say it started a little bit, I noticed before. Pre-COVID, just a bit pre-COVID, I noticed there were many more, especially younger people passing over too, or I would say younger, as in the for me younger, which would have been in the twenties, thirties, mm-hmm. around there, maybe forties. But um, it, yeah, it, and then COVID, of course, um, the desperation, the stress, the hopelessness. Um, you know, the confusion that we are collectively having and have had now for several years um, has just kind of opened um, the floodgates almost in a way. And people are passing over, like you said, in numbers that, um, you know, this consistency over two, more than two years, three years about um, I, I haven't ever seen anything like this, and I've given a lot of thought to it. And one of the um, one of the things I've noticed talking to people and talking to people have passed over during this time is that people are, in my experience, more conscious. It's more. It's kind of in our energy now. We're not talking about it. We're not grounding it enough to necessarily have conversation about what's happening in that way, but it's still present to us. And unfortunately, because we're not talking about it and processing what's happening in our psyche with everything happening and the degree of anger and frustration and uh, picking sides and all of the stress that collectively we feel every day it almost makes it a little bit bigger and a little worse because we have no outlet for it. And that is accumulating energy, that stress. And in some people who um, really are having, are sensitive especially and um, not having an outlet to understand what's happening. um, Yeah. Unfortunately I've had more so than ever. One of the things people on the other side are telling me I've passed over is that the activities they were doing, whether it wasn't taking care of their health or using drugs or living dangerously, accidents, things like that. I've never had as many people tell me, souls on the other side who have passed over, that they kind of had a sense that what they were doing may lead to their passing. But if it did, it did
0: so they're willing to take the risk because there yeah. was enough pain and enough dysfunction going on that exactly. it's okay if it goes yeah. that way. Interesting. Right. Well, yeah. you know, one thing that you say right in the beginning of your book, which is a wonderful book and I encourage anyone to pick it up. Thank you. you're having to contemplate your passing or someone else's passing and see the, the beauty of uh, this process from the mm. other side is that no matter what the quality of your life is, as a human being, you pass over into the arms of love. Even if it might take a minute or two uh, for some more than others, you're always passing over into this love. And if we could just start the conversation there.
1: Oh, absolutely. It, and like you said, that's the right word for it. It's a beautiful process. It's a process that um you know beauty is an attribute of god that we don't often consider we think of beauty a lot here in superficial ways but there's a beauty of the soul there's a beauty of the heart when it opens when it connects when we are able to merge with a greater love with a love that many of us haven't really had a very strong connection with in this physical life we get to see ourselves and feel ourselves through a different lens than we do in the physical world through in the physical world we see ourselves with judgment and competitiveness and our faults and our criticisms and what we've done and we try hard to have better self-esteem and to love ourselves but immediately like you said it's easy because we it's just there it's like oxygen it's something that opens us and we embrace and it feels so it, it, You know, I, I know this feeling in different ways through others who have passed over, but it is something that is hard to really understand in our human self what that's really like. But it is consistent. Like you said, no matter how, the life that someone lived here, um, that's what awaits us.
0: Yes, and oftentimes, as you have said in the book, um, people are surprised because we all have an idea of what's going to happen when we pass, Um, Mm -hmm. what it's like on the other side, or in the case of atheists or agnostics, uh, nothing's going to happen, dust to dust, which can be quite a shocker for someone Mm -hmm. (laughs) to find out. Oops, I'm still here. Um, I listened to a video by a man recently uh, on YouTube who Mellon M E L L E N, who is someone who talks about this, and he was a diehard atheist and talks about the shock and beauty of what happened when he went over. But he first went through some kind of darkness mm-hmm. because. He expected darkness. Let's talk about expectation and people Mm -hmm. being kind of shocked and awed once they get over there.
1: Yeah. um, What we want to have happen or expect to have happen during that transition time from the consciousness of more ego human self to soul self, we... It doesn't usually last for a very long time, although we can be stubborn and kind of really hold on to the belief. But for a time, as we pass over, we do experience what we expect to experience. Um, fortunately, most of the time that's positive. Most of the time that will have to do with seeing loved ones or being with God or being with Jesus or being with the angels but like you said that's absolutely right for for a fair number of people um there's there's emptiness and and you know and and one of the reasons that sometimes people resist making that transition even after they pass over into the light is because they're so sure that what they're going to experience is not good because of the way they lived and the religion that they had here, that, um, you know, they have done something or or had secrets or whatever it is that was going to, on the other side, be judgment judged. And, and, And that's sad. That's very, very sad when people experience that. But we do experience our beliefs, whether they're positive or difficult in that way. You did write
0: about that in the book that there are some people who are afraid of going yeah. to the light because they're afraid of judgment and the judgment day that they've heard about. Right. And they're afraid they're going to uh, mm-hmm. come up short and be viewed poorly on the other side, which is really quite sad because if we only understood everyone's in the human game, everyone has challenges. We've all done stuff throughout our incarnations.
1: Absolutely.
0: You to that for anyone that actually has that fear right now?
1: You know, some fear is normal, you know, it's the ego, the ego will fear passing over because it it, to the ego, it is, in a way, death, um, because the ego will not sustain itself in higher vibrations. So that a lot of the fear comes from that part of us that feels it is in charge, that feels that going into the unknown, it won't exist. But we have to remember that even despite the fear we may feel, um, there's a part of us that is, the greater part of us is soul. It is spirit. And that part of us is connected to um, that higher vibration of love that is incredibly compassionate and far-reaching. Yes. And the other thing that is very helpful, I think, too, and, and people tend to be able to Grasp this more, I found, is because, you know, we move from material consciousness, physical consciousness. Sometimes before we can go into spiritual consciousness, we go into mental consciousness, mind consciousness. And sometimes people will be able to better understand that much of what we've done, some of the lessons that we've lived, some of the um, heartaches we've had have been with us for a higher purpose that we've orchestrated that on some level in order to experience something that in some way would benefit our soul and when we can kind of understand sometimes that it's not about right and wrong and judgment because that's physical consciousness but it's about um, love understanding growth evolution then people sometimes can understand that okay maybe you know i get that on that level of understanding yeah
0: yeah and then on another level when we're talking about when people cross over uh, they're kind of living out a program they expect Uh, many people who've written books about crossing over say, Oh, I met with Jesus on the other side and told me this and, and they're Chris, and this, this will be inevitably someone who has a Christian background. Right. And this is understandable. And I want to ask you something particular about that, but I want to bring up uh, in Ruth Montgomery's book from the 1960s, a world beyond. I remember Arthur Ford, the medium, uh, the man on the other side, who was the medium, now talking to her through automatic writing, telling her it was so interesting to see how people experience the notion that they are out of body. And he watched this one woman, he said, Time isn't time, but it seemed like day after day to him, all she did was iron. She was ironing clothing just like she did in this incarnation. So let's speak to that for a moment. And then the notion of what's actually happening, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to me that Buddha and um, Krishna and Christ and all these beings may not be physically appearing to every person that's dying on a given planet, but there is some aspect. There's something that's projecting itself through for that comfort.
1: Mm-hmm. In your understanding, Absolutely. what's that about? Absolutely. Well, let's begin with the ironing because I love that you brought that up, um, and I talk I talk about this a little bit in the book too about how, yeah, we can completely recreate the life we had here, <laughs> and a lot do, a lot do. The people that have not had a higher understanding spiritually or even invested much of their thought or um, experience with that usually will go to the other side and. Sometimes I've found they'll go to a house that they loved in childhood. They'll even go back to their childhood, a time when they felt the best, and they'll live near their grandmother or someone, um, or they'll be in a marriage situation that they had a long-term marriage with, and they do the things they did here. Eventually what happens is this, its soul becomes very bored, like uh you know the board eventually what happens when we are repetitive and we recreate what we experienced here it's not that it's bad it's just that it becomes like the ironing over and over it becomes boring Mm -hmm. and um and that's when we we tend to um really wake up to the possibilities
0: so let's pick up on that and what's happening when we're expecting to see uh, Krishna or Buddha or Christ. Well,
1: um, what i found is that um, the form that we see is, a, I don't want to say it's a projection because there is something of substance behind that. It is a loving presence. Um A lot of times spirit will um, come to us in the form that we will accept, that we will open our heart to. And if we trust and love Jesus, then, you know, the all that is, the, the great spirit, whatever we want to call the creative force of love that is so much greater than the human self, Will come to people in that form now, what's interesting though, is a lot of times people will tell me that their spirit guides are incredibly handsome yeah and i've had I've had clients say, "You know, I think I'm falling in love with my spirit guide, and they're a little embarrassed about it, and almost like well, is that natural? And, and the funny thing is, is absolutely, they do that purposely. So we do fall in love with them. Falling in love in the other side is what we do. And it's not about one person we fall in love with, and we have all the drama. It's really that feeling of that complete surrender to love. And so some people will feel too when they pass over that they encounter these incredibly beautiful angels, you know, beautiful, and they fall in love with them. They might fall in love with Jesus. They might, with whoever it is, the point is to open the heart and feel that love. Oh, that's beautiful, that's so well said.
0: So now what happens when we have one of these beings and they're meeting with us and they start telling us things that contain a a fair amount of wisdom, for example, to our understanding, they're, they're uttering wise words to us. Now, is that necessarily external or a guide, for example, or might that be our own higher self, our own highest aspect and soul reflecting through an image back to us.
1: Absolutely. It it could be both and it could be the same thing, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. At At some level of our vibration, our very high self, our very high self vibration, we cease to be, it's hard to explain because in our human way of reasoning and thinking, we really feel that I am me and you are you, and I 'm here and you're there, and we are not merged. You know we are not merged, we are separate beings at some level though, at our higher self, we are merging we're merging with higher consciousness we 're merging we're not separate and apart. We are, and we're loving it. That's the thing. We're not losing our individuality in that. We are like a flock of birds that are all in unison. We have our individuality, but we're flowing in a rhythm that has meaning, that has purpose, that has vibration, that has pattern, that has beauty. And so our thoughts merge with that. So that's why I say it could be both. It could be our higher self merging with that greater substance that greater um energy power whatever we want to call it and communicating to us at at our lower vibration encouraging our lower vibration to kind of like come on join us let's lift up join us up here yeah yeah Right.
0: And, and then conversely, that when we are in a situation where someone passes over, as we mentioned a while ago, and this is now, we're going to talk just a little bit about its impact on us. Right, and that is when someone passes over and they're unsettled or confused or afraid to go with the light and haven't really loosened up in the, to let the process take them forward, that we ourselves can often feel the state of where a person is that we've been close to once they pass over, whether it's that or whether there's a joy in the release. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's one of the beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen that people don't realize it's happening a lot of time. And I, I experienced it. I talk about this at the beginning of the book when I had an ex-husband of mine pass over and because I'm able to communicate um, with the other side, I was at an advantage because I knew what was happening because I, but a lot of people don't, but I felt it was, you know, we would talk a bit and I, I felt his transition into higher awareness, into understanding what he was experiencing and, and what happened to him in the physical life in terms of the lessons And what his experiences were here when he um, was focusing on our relationship, I was focusing on our relationship too. Not because I knew he was. It was just something that I later realized that we were both working on at the same time. And we were doing it in a way that was helping both of us heal. Helping us both understand what we could have done different, what we brought to this, what we learned from this, what we were, um, you know, challenged with karmically, too. And I realized as I figured that out, I realized my clients were experiencing that, too, that I would bring things up and they would say, oh yeah, well, you know, I I had a dream about that, or I was thinking about that too. You know, if he started, the person on the other side started talking about some memories they had or apologizing for something. Um, And so I realized that, and I talk a bit about this in the book about how much we are merged with those we love. We're intertwined with them energetically so that when they pass over, that energetic shift is no longer physical-based. It becomes spiritual-based. and But it's still there. It still exists. So we can really benefit greatly from loved ones on the other side who heal. Mm -hmm. We really can if we allow ourselves... To go along with that journey with them in our own healing with them instead of holding on to resentments, problems, things that happen, victimization, things like that. It, it takes a conscious working this, which is why I wrote the book and gave exercises on how to do that. Um, and, and, you know, part of the motivation with the book too was that I thought, you know, we're, we're not taking advantage really here of a wonderful gift we can have with our own happiness here in physical life, because the other side can help us quite a bit with that. Yeah. Um, it, they really, you know, as we, but we have to do the work with it too, but there's an extra added, um, presence and power that motivates it that that helps us along with it
0: yeah and that's not something you hear often talked about and that kinds of no. that, yeah and it brings us to the subject of this notion of the continuity of our relationship with loved ones through throughout time and that um it's something that i have i have come to understand and uh have found through the years the practical nature of reincarnation with soul groups. And you write about this in the book uh, very beautifully and that, when when we're in, we talked about this uh, off camera, where you had said, look, this is just a chapter in the book. Any given lifetime in our relationship with someone is just a chapter. You wouldn't just right. quit the book after a chapter. There's so much more to be done. So let's talk about the notion we tend to come back with our family and soul group right. members over and over again, because some would say if it's a bad dynamic, why would we do that?
1: Yeah, why would we do that? Because Our soul's in charge. (laughs) And we're, you know, that's why. It's because we certainly, on an ego level, would not want to do that. But um, yeah, we definitely, it's challenging. It's kind of, you know, we realize actually how powerful we are when we realize that we kind of set up our difficulties knowing that we can get through them, knowing that, that, that that's what is going to bring our power out is getting through them, to help us to realize who we really are. It's not done to cause us pain and problems. It's, it's Of course, pain leads us to solutions, but it's really done to help us to embrace our power and to know who more of who we really are. I'm going to give you a really good example right now because this this morning, I thought of this. Um, I have had a difficult relationship with my sister. Um, she's a little older than me, but from the very beginning, it's been, I don't feel I've engaged in this as as much as she has, but very competitive from her. But again, I probably have, but this past week, um, which I'm not going to get into great details about this, but she has kind of triangulated me with my, one of my brothers in the way that, um, I'm, I'm kind of cut out of it. It's they, you know, I'm just not invited. I'm just, you know, and my feelings were hurt. Um, I'm not even told about things they're doing and she lives very close to me. And, you know, it's just become difficult because I, I, I've not been a part of this. I haven't had the option to be. And then this morning, I realized that I had done a past life years ago where I realized that I had a past life with her. And I'm not proud to say this by any means, but I remember I was, um, I don't, I don't, I won't go into the whole thing, but I basically um, had an affair with her husband. It was that Into the future, so, right? Exactly, exactly. So this morning it clicked with me. I thought, but you know what? I she I probably brought this on anyway, and so I'm just going to have to suck it up and, and get through this. You know, <laughs> I'm not a victim here. Um, this is what it feels like, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to have to just let this go and not feel like, oh, what are you doing to me? Uh, da, da. Um, But I just wanted to bring that up as an example of how it can help us to realize that in a soul group, our incarnations with difficult people who we sometimes think, why are they being so mean to us? Why is that happening? Why do I dislike this person so much? There's more to it in that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's so much more to it. And when we can get to the place where we can accept that that is something that we do need to experience and that's a hard place to get to and it's not saying I deserve it there's a very big difference but you know but saying oh I deserve mistreatment or saying this is an experience I can move through and be better for it Mm -hmm. to keep my heart open to keep loving to just accept it
0: I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. I'll just toss in a little anecdote too from my son. He was just under four years old and One day, um, I said, I I was thinking of a past life where I was aware that I had not been a very good mother to him. And Uh this particular day, I was just feeling a little melancholy. And he was building, he was happy, he was building a fort with all the cushions on the sofa and loveseat, right? Doing his thing. I said, you know, honey. I, I I know I'm not very much fun right this moment, and I sh- don't ever want to treat you anything other than wonderfully because there was a time when I could have done better. And he just kept building his fort, and he said, with his little adenoids, that's okay, Mom. I did it to you too. No, people <laughs> are just like, what? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, when I was your daddy.
1: And oh, he said, really? Oh, yes. wow.
0: And I said, okay, well, now can you tell me, and he did not read till quite late. He was very dyslexic and everything. And he said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Where were we?" And he said, "Well, a place called England." And mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, and do you, can you see the house?" He said, "It was a little brick house, it was a real short brick house." <laughs> and he started telling me his clothing and everything. Wow. And I- honey, where did, when did you see this? He said, oh, I was supposed to be taking a nap at Busy Bee, his nursery school. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and, he said, and I, was, I, I saw this, and he said, and I, you were the oldest, the mommy died, and you were the oldest kid, and I used to beat you up because Ooh. I was mad. And I thought, interesting. So mm. then later on in life, I thought I was maybe a male. I was a, It turns out I was the daughter who reminded him of his deceased wife, and mm-hmm. so a lot of responsibility fell on me. So I, you know, I bring this up.
1: That's a great story. That's chicken, a wonderful story. Yeah,
0: chicken mm-hmm. or egg. We come back in these cycles and do these mm-hmm. things until we learn. And if you have any other kind of wonderful, rich stories about this, because we're, <laughs> we're all in it, we're about all in all it. We're all
1: in That's it. That's for sure. sure.
0: I would love to, people love stories. So mm-hmm. any other anecdote you know of uh, to just kind of illustrate the incredible genius of the soul to keep wrapping us back into this? It is story.
1: amazing. It is really amazing. Let me just say this though. We, I, I really, in my own experience, what I've really learned is that it feels to me that, um, it's, I used to think more that it's, you know, a lesson we have to, and we do, but it's also, but the lesson is always love too.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's always, always love. And I have to stay centered in that because I feel in this lifetime, I came back with a charged, charged karmic group, my family group and others growing up it has it was has been a very very difficult difficult um uh family very difficult in so many ways geez I have so many personal stories um I I, let me bring this one in though because this was one of the most unexpected things that happened I was um Oh, it's a long story. I'll keep it short though. I was going to a healer because I was having a problem with breathing. I kept choking for some reason, for no reason. And so we did this breathing work where I was breathing rapidly and at the same time going into whatever memories, whatever was causing that. And I went into this memory where, um, my mother actually choked me and actually I died, which, okay. yeah, I was um, very young. And, um, and I just was crying and crying and crying. I remember it was so, but there was so much grief that I had been through that, that, you know, I, cause I could feel her anger and her wanting me not to be here any longer. Um, and I remember I was lying there, And the healer was sitting next to me. She was very loving, very compassionate. And I'm like, oh, snotty and crying. And um, feeling really like a victim, feeling really like poor me. And I remember asking my guides as I I was lying there. And I remember saying to them something like, um, I don't know, I wanted love. I wanted comfort for them. Like, well, basically, like, why did, why did this happen? What, what, why would I pick them? That's what it was. Why would I pick a mother like this? Why would I do this? And I can never forget the answer because it stunned me and it still stuns me. One of my guides said very loudly, if you want to suffer about this, suffer. It's up to you. And I was so angry. I was so mad that this guy said this to me. I'm like, what do you mean I want to suffer? I don't want to suffer. And they're like, well, well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> I was like livid. And, um, and then I said something like, well, then why did I pick this family? And the answer was so interesting. The answer was for the genes you wanted the, you needed the genes of the family
0: interesting and that brings up a couple points uh, yeah. i was listening to a reading of another friend of mine through um someone i respected greatly who was a, a very highly skilled channeler and she was ta- asking about her son she said we don't understand him he does nothing in common with us mm-hmm. and I said Oh no he chose he didn't cho- he, he has not been in your soul group before. He chose you for the opportunity and for the genes. you would give him an easy path toward what he wishes to do in this lifetime, so you were chosen for that reason, not because you're, there's any familiarity um, or a previous connection with him and which I thought was interesting. Then in your book, you wrote about how souls who are of service and souls who are of a, an advanced nature will often come in to offer something special to a family to help break up um, really dysfunctional emotional patterns. Right. In the case of what you just said, to literally insert a a DNA into the pool, for example, of a family that has a particular chronic health issue in their bloodline. Right. Absolutely. That was really fascinating. Let's talk about that for a minute.
1: I think we had a conversation yesterday where we're talking about um, how, you know, some souls will come in, like, you know, kind of what we were just talking about and um, contribute you know, make change in some way. Um, And we're talking about how I think uh, that some, you know, we don't always make a beeline back into the physical world when we pass over. Most, Most don't. Most don't necessarily want to come back. And I was thinking about it after our conversation because the exception to that is that the souls that have purpose here, The souls that want to come back to make a difference are more likely to wave their hand, sign up and say, no, I want to go back. Um, And very courageous, loving souls will enter a family where there's been long-term abuse, long-term addictions is where I see it a lot, where there's so much embedded in a very deep DNA level almost with addictions patterns That a soul will come in and um, be the one that maybe struggled a little bit with it, but got through it. You know, got through it, and they they start to shift the energy of addictive energy too. Or they
0: like way showers within the tribe.
1: Yeah, they definitely. um, And it's an act of love. It's an act of love to do that, and it's also like you know we're talking about an act of love to come into a family where there has been um, long-term specific illnesses too and to really lift the vibration. The funny thing is those people that do that are usually really not very well-loved in the family. (laughs) Well, they're usually strangers, just like the boy. Yeah, and they're they're either strangers or they're resentful. The black sheep. Yeah, the different one who's not understood, right? And yeah. did
0: you feel that way in your family? Because certainly you don't have a normal life.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, well, oh, I was. Oh, there's no doubt. I'm still the black family, a black sheep in my family. Oh, yeah. yeah no and
0: a lot of people watching this who have chosen to go outside of coloring outside the lines and look for answers um, in other ways. Many, many people watching this right now will relate to that and feel the same way. And again, besides coming in to help lift a family or to come in because there's some DNA that you could use, right, or there is an opportunity because of their educational history that you're going to be given access to something, any other reasons why we might incarnate into a family in which we end up feeling as the black sheep?
1: Well, I would say that we might need to have that experience in order to, um, I see it sometimes when people really need to assert their individuality and trust themselves
0: Mm -hmm.
1: where they have lived lives where it's been very much a collective um, consciousness where they have done things that the group has done Mm -hmm. that they have not really honed in on their own individuality and made decisions and choices to kind of move out of a certain form and accepted others, you know, beliefs or others thoughts of who they should be and what they should be doing. And so sometimes those souls will incarnate in a family where they're not, it's very difficult for them to do that. Mm -hmm. They're not able to, It's very blatantly clear that if I buy into what my family thinks of me, I'm really suffering. Right. Or I'm really not that person and I know I'm not. And so they will have to really find their power, really find their individuality and their voice. And sometimes it takes that to really find it too.
0: Yeah. And I think many people listening to this are hearing your words loud and clear. And, you know, we, we could literally talk for days about these subjects and we both have tons of anecdotes to share of mm-hmm. others and ourselves. But what I want to get to before we say goodbye is the notion that when we on this side lose someone and go into a state of grief, we, don't, we may not understand it, but this actually has a silver lining to it because it often opens up our own intuitive capacities, that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that.
1: Absolutely. 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 That's probably one of the consistent gifts that we discover if we are able to truly grieve, consciously grieve. Conscious grieving, and it's not easy to do, conscious grieving is really sitting with our pain and really letting ourselves, letting, feeling our heart, not closing it, not pulling it away, not preoccupying ourselves. And all of that is fine a little bit. All of us will do that some, but really going back to the heart, really going back to the center and feeling I, I want to be open. I want to allow and to feel my loved ones on the other side. I want to know what's beyond here. And it brings those questions up for us that usually in life, not a, not a there's not a lot in life that bring those questions up. Um, but opening the heart, you know, I think I, I, there was, I think it was Buddha. There was a very high enlightened teacher that said that, I think it was Buddha that, yeah, was suffering. It's suffering that opens our heart, that brings in that transcendent, that brings in that enlightenment. And it's really true when we have a loved one pass over, if we are able to let our heart open and grieve, it's amazing how much we begin to experience ourselves in different ways and to experience our loved ones, to really feel them, to really have a sense they're with me, even if I can't see them, or even if I don't um, know them in the way I knew them there, I can feel something something yeah.
0: yeah yeah and the whole notion that when someone departs we mm-hmm. lose our we lose our bearings we we, we, we sure do. lose our any sense of control over anything all of the, our moorings and once that's gone and we're left stripped bare and vulnerable to feel ourselves that's when you say these beings can really come in and be available to, to us in ways that they weren't able to even when they were embodied necessarily. They can often do more for us um, in our relationship and reinforcing that love really bond on the yeah. other side than from in the earth life, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you a quick story about this. Um, the ex-husband I was talking about, we were, we um, had not been, soon after our divorce, he passed over. And I have a daughter that was not, and that was from another marriage that was not her father. And he, Kenny, Kenny Hairston was my ex that I'm talking about. And he was a musician and he played in the original Cindy Lauper band. So he had traveled all over. There's videos of him. He was a great musician. After that, he did other, he went into composing. So he was this amazing musician. And um, and he traveled the world with Cindy at the, at the whole girls want to have fun thing. And he would always say to me, um, your daughter is like my daughter. She feels like my daughter. Well, my daughter, if she was here, she would tell you that almost she feels her life changed for the better in amazing ways, amazing ways. She's going to the White House next week to meet the president and the uh, vice president. Cause she was the teacher of the year in North Carolina. Now she attributes all of that to him. And one of the ways she does is because she says, mom, I can't believe it when anything good happens to me or right before it happens, I hear the music on the radio. that, Ooh, I, love that chill. I love it. Yeah. Like, Oh, I always hear like girls want to have fun or, oh. Um, you know, whatever it was that he had been, you know, in the band with and singing because he was also did vocals, and and my daughter is different than me in the way that she 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 knows who I am, but she's a little bit more, you know, teacher of the year and, and this and that. But she will, it's so funny, she really attributes every good thing to, oh, that was Kenny. I heard, I got in the car, mom, and I I turned on the radio, and there he is singing. I just know it's him.
0: (laughs) I love it. That gives, I mean, everything you've spoken about, it gives us so much to think about and so much to start, you know, opening ourselves to instead of just this reality where so many people are feeling isolated, um, feeling alone, Mm. feeling just cast out, misunderstood, divided from ones they used to be with and all this, just the notion that we can open up to this whole other realm of spirit that's always there, it's always there for us, is really comforting and beautiful. And just before we say goodbye, I just want to add one thing, and this includes our little furry friends too. Our little furry friends go over and they can greet us as well,
1: right? And they oh come with us and they accompany us and their love is there. Oh, absolutely. And they actually can bring, in fact, I know we don't have time, but let me say very quickly this morning, before we did the show, I did a reading for a woman who she kept telling me, you know, my dog Maggie kept keeps dream. I keep dreaming about Maggie. I keep dreaming. She loves Maggie. She passed over not that long ago and I won't go into it. We know we don't have time, but she feels that Maggie is so important to her now in her growth that Maggie keeps bringing her all of these beautiful, wonderful blessings into her life. I love it. Yeah. It's really nice.
0: Just to put that out there. So include your furry friends, your love love in the group that's there
1: to support us all the time. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye, Sherry? Well, thank you so much for this conversation. The one final thing I'd like to say is that, you know, we started the um, interview with the, um, the despair with the with the difficulties with the hopelessness i think one of the beautiful things that's happening despite the suffering that's also happening is that like you just said we are becoming this is forcing us almost to become aware of different spiritual solutions it's not just talk in a fun club to be in you know a spiritual. It's it's something we need. It's something I think we're awakening to on a whole different level. That um, it can it's not out there. It's something that we need within us, within our physical lives, within our day-to-day life. Thank you for yeah. that.
0: We absolutely do. And Jerry, I just want to say, just for anyone watching, right now you are inundated with uh, personal readings to the point where you're already booked a year out. So right. no need for people to try to squeeze in for a reading. You're ju- you're running <laughs> out on that level. Your, your, your dance card is punched in full, but your book really helps people guide themselves into how they can communicate themselves with their loved ones. So I highly encourage people to pick it up and it's called I'm still with you. And that's such an appropriate phrase. I've said this to many people who are talking about their deceased ones. Be careful what you're saying. They are still with you. They're right here with us right now. So it's, oh, a, really, totally. it's a really good reminder and a wonderful study book as well. So I want to thank you for your time and effort to put that book together for the rest of us and, and also for sharing your perspectives today, Sherry. Really thank you beautiful. so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, everybody, I hope this has added a lot of comfort to your own life and to your own understanding of your journey ahead and the journey of those who have gone before you. Again, the name of the book is I'm Still With You by Sherry Dillard. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com.